Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 661 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's episode of the Juicebox Podcast, we'll be speaking with Lori, a type one for over four decades, she is. When I'm just speaking in sentence fragments, aren't I? Uh, Lori has had type 1 diabetes for over 40 years, and she's here to share her story with us today. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Are you thinking to yourself, I'd like to do something nice today for people living with type 1 diabetes? But I also want to support the Juice Box podcast, and I only have time to do one thing. Oh, if that's something you're thinking, you're in luck. Because if you go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox, join the registry, fill out the survey. This will take fewer than 10 minutes, and you will be done. And then you will have accomplished both of your goals. You will have helped people with type 1 diabetes and supported the Juice Box podcast. You need to be a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of someone with type 1. Those are pretty much the rules. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at GvokeGlucagon.com forward slash juice box. Today's podcast is also sponsored by US Med. If you're looking for a supplier for your diabetes supplies, US Med is probably the way to go. Head over right now for your free benefits check, usmed.com forward slash juicebox or juicebox podcast listeners can call 888-721-1514. Get white glove treatment from a company who always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast free shipping, US Med. Morning, everybody. I'm Lori and I've been a type one diabetic for 42 years. So I've ridden the path of the evolving um, diabetic world with technology from, I feel like I was a dinosaur in the dinosaur age with diabetes when I got diagnosed and it has progressed. Um, it progressed kind of slowly for a while. And then all of a sudden it's just, I feel like the technology has just taken off in light speed. So for all of us that suffer with the disease, that's a very good thing um, for all of us to take better charge and better control of it. And I'm really, really grateful, grateful that I've been diabetic for 42 years and I have no side effects as of yet. Um, and I don't see that I will ever have any because I'm pretty diligent about how I take care of myself. <laughs> And I thank you, Scott, for doing what you do, because you're just a wealth of information um, for all of us. Oh, thank you. So, so that's, and I found out about you um, when we, we've moved four times in three years. Hmm. And um, so juggling around the United States and um, my husband's been transferred, his company got bought out and then he was they kept them, but they moved them. So um, being juggling around the United States, that's been challenging because you, you know, you got to, I'm, I feel like I'm my own doctor and I don't, 
necessarily always need a doctor Mm -hmm. um, to help me, but trying to find somebody that can help you with just navigate. Um, And when I ended up on the second move, um, I ended up with a doctor and the PA there, she was like, you have credible control, she said, and you need to listen to this guy because his daughter is a type one and he goes about treating his diabetes with his daughter the way that you do. And I go, really? And she goes, yeah, she goes, listen to him and check out these episodes. And I was like, if I hadn't moved, I probably would have never found out about you. Oh, that's amazing. I, I shouldn't say never, you know, maybe right. somewhere down the line, I would have found out about you. But she, that office, that girl is just super intelligent. Mm-hmm. And I like her actually better than the doctor. And she's the PA. But, <laughs> well, I thank her but, very much. Yeah. So um, and they were the ones that got me on Dexcom. And so I didn't. I didn't understand why my doctor, where we lived forever, um, why she never recommended it. Um, I had heard of, you know, those tools, but I was in good control. I thought, you know, that I've always been in decent control. So I just kind of, you know, how you just go along, you just go along and you go along and you go along and then you get introduced to that and you're like, your world changes, Mm -hmm. you know? Lori, can I ask you a couple of questions? Sure. First of all, do you have the kind of job where you're in meetings with other people and you lead the meetings? Um, no. You're not. Okay. Did you really prepare for this today? Um, yeah, I you somewhat did? prepared okay. for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I, because, I'm, because I know I've got you off balance here and I don't mean to. I think right now if I said, everyone, this is Lori. She's had diabetes for a while. I could take my headphones off and leave the room and I'd have a good podcast when I came back <laughs> because you're, oh. <laughs> you're so you're, you have, you really know your life with it. So I'm excited to pick through it. Um, I, I really, I really am. I just, um, I, I, as you were talking, we were getting further away from some of the things I wanted to ask you. So I wanted to slow you down so that I could, uh, so that I could pick back through it. When you start, well, I've, I uh, mean, I've been an, I was a educator for a color company for 20 years. And so I was on stage and spoke in front of people for 20 years. That is exactly how you feel while you're talking. You, you, I feel like, honestly, like you could hold my attention and I, I could just probably kick back and, and, uh, close my <laughs> eyes and listen. So, so let me, but let's not, let's not, we want to make sure the people who complain about me talking too much have something to complain about. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first question was when you began to introduce yourself, mm-hmm. you, you went directly to the advent of technology and what a big deal it is to you. Um, can you give people some perspective about what you've lived through and why, why you feel that way? Oh, sure. Yeah. What is so it? So do you want, yeah. What is it about now? I've got you off balance. I'm sorry. Did you go ahead and talk? I just want to, um, you know, I want to know what you lived through and wh- why that experience made you pick that as the first thing to say when you started talking. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will absolutely tell you. I'll tell you one horrific story that happened to me. And um, it, I was really fortunate that it came out the way it came out. But um, 
when I was, you know, diagnosed and doing injections, it was, that was a tough road for me. It was easy, but it was unpredictable. And um, this story, I mean, that's why the Dexcom has changed and the insulin pump, the insulin pump changed my life first. Mm -hmm. And then the Dexcom changed my life second. So, and and it was a game changer for me. So the unpredictability of not being able to see your blood sugars and just, the, I mean, you were doing regular and NPH or were you doing? Yes, B- regular and NPH, okay. yes. And um, the NPH, do you want me to just talk? No, yeah, no, I don't let me stop you. You be yourself. Okay. I was just kind of teasing you a little bit that I felt okay. like I felt yeah. like if I was like, and Lori, diabetes, right? I could just leave and come back in an hour. And I, I'd, <laughs> I'd put my headphones back on and you'd be finishing your story. That's all. No, don't, don't. I'm sorry, don't inhibit yourself, but yeah, just go ahead, please. Okay, so when I was diagnosed, um, basically, it was, I was losing tons of weight, and um, I'm a hairdresser, mm-hmm. and so I work behind the chair, and when you work behind the chair, you know, you don't always eat when you eat, you you throw it down in about two minutes, whenever you can throw a bite down, and so I just worked, and I've always been really skinny and very athletic, and um So I told my husband, I go, there's something wrong. I'm losing all this weight. I'm super tired. And um, we went, he was in a bowling league. So we went to a bowling tournament with all of our friends, you know, to a different city. And we went to dinner that night and it was a Saturday evening. And it was like, you could put a hose of an outside hose, like you would water your flowers with and just let it run constantly in down my throat because that's how much water I wanted. Yeah. And um, our friend, I had never heard of diabetes. I didn't even know what the word was. Mm-hmm. And our friend, um, she worked in a doctor's office that she was at the bowling tournament with us, her and her husband. And she told my husband, she said, you need to get Lori to the doctor as soon as possible because I think she's got diabetes. Wow. And so I called her doctor's office because she worked in a primary care doctor office Ah. on Monday morning and they got me in that day. And, um, I went there and I went straight to the hospital Hmm. and, um, so I thought I had like a brain tumor or something because I was cutting hair. My vision was blurry and I, I was losing all this weight and I was like, I probably got cancer, you know, I mean, what is happening to me? And um, so I went into the hospital and, you know, they gave me, told me what I had to do. And I never looked at it like it was a terrible thing because I didn't even really know what it was. I didn't even understand it. 1979, Lori, is that about when? 19, March of 1980. Yeah. Okay. So I got married in October of 79. And in March I was diagnosed and I told my husband, I go, you know, we never should have gotten married. We should have just <laughs> stayed together. Did you try to because tell him? Because I got married and I became a diabetic. <laughs> yeah, get marrying him gave you diabetes. 
I would always call him, be like, he was an insurance agent at the time at the Sears store. And I would call him and I'd be like, can you bring me home some of those chocolate covered peanuts at the candy counter? (laughs) I love. He would always bring those home for me and I would just like scarf them down. Well, that all came to a halt, you know? Yeah. I'm loving this. I love that you went to a bowling tournament. I imagine most people listening don't know that bowling used to be such a big deal that every Saturday on ABC, there were bowling tournaments on. Oh, I know. We used to watch them. My husband was an avid bowler. He golfed in a bowling league with his guys on Friday nights every week. And so here we are. We're at this bowling tournament. And they're really, those guys are all, we were just with them this last weekend. They were all, they're all super funny. That's amazing. They're so funny. Yeah, it was a big, it was was hours and people would sit and Mm -hmm. watch like it was nothing. Oh my gosh. Um, I, oh, okay. I'm going to have a good time here. Okay. So you are diagnosed because your friend kind of sees it, but you realize something's really wrong. I'm assuming, you know, thinking, oh, I have cancer or tumor or something like that. And then they say diabetes to you, but at a time when like, there's not a lot of real understanding about, I mean, it's not understanding, I guess the, the insulin lacked and the technology lacked so much that you were just shooting insulin in the morning and then in the evening. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, I did um, NPH in the morning with regular. And then I would, I took regular at dinner time. And then I took NPH at bedtime. Okay. And um, it was, I mean, I, I was so diligent about everything, but you know, we didn't even have, I don't even know that we had a computer back then. I don't think we, I don't think we even had a computer. Cause I think when my son was born, that's when we, uh, he was like a few years old. That's when we bought our first computer. So we didn't even have computer life to research anything or do anything, but I'm a foodie and food has never been important to me. I don't care about food. I could, if I eat because I got to eat really, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, do I enjoy a good meal. Yeah, I do. But I'm not one of these. I weigh the same as I did in high school. I mean, I've been the same weight forever. And um, so that was never like a concern for me. It was just like, okay, how do I make this work where I can keep my blood sugar steady? And then I had no um, glucose monitor at all, even to prick your finger to test your blood sugar. And I finally got years later, I got, I think it was called LifeScan. Mm-hmm. It was like a notebook. It was so ginormous. And I hauled that thing around in my purse to check my blood sugar all the time. So, and I would check my blood sugar like eight to 10 times a day because I was so anal about where am I at? What's happening? You know? Mm. Um, but I opened a hair salon um, in 1983. What well, was actually November of 82. And then 83, you know, was really the first full year. And um, I was diabetic at that time. And I worked, I worked like a dog, you know, but I loved my job. I never felt like I was working ever, even with running a staff and doing all the stuff with your own business. I just loved, loved my work. Um, And so with doing that, my husband, this is the story that I I would like to share because this is how technology has truly changed my life. And I've got a few stories like this because 
the NPH, I was a ritual. I, I did the same thing every day. Same thing every day. I would eat the same breakfast. I would pack the same lunch. I never ate out. I always packed my food um, and pack my own food. I would work 12 hour days at the salon. So I would have to pack, you know, my snack, my lunch, my dinner. And um, my husband came in and I cut his hair one night. And then he said, okay, I'll see you at home. And now I had taken my regular, eaten my dinner, and I always had like a granola bar or, a, you know, something. We had a white hen right next door. So if I ever ran out of food, at least I had a white hen next door to our my hair salon. So I would send one of the assistants like, can you go over there and grab me this? Because I got to have some food. And I would be cutting hair. And I could feel myself dipping down. And I'm like, I need some food. And that's what I did not. That was the hard thing is that, okay, I'm taking this much insulin, I'm eating this kind of food. And you could you just a day is a day, you know, sometimes you got stress, sometimes you don't some so your body is always juggling around and you can't see what's going on and on your insides, you know, um, how much sugar is actually in that blood? I wish I could see all those little sugar things <laughs> jumping around in there. So I would know. <laughs> but um, anyway, so he came in and I cut his hair and he said, okay, I'll see you at home. And it was like the end of the day. Um, and so I packed everything up. I had to pack up from the salon and got my car. And we lived about 20 minutes from where my salon was. And I was about halfway home and I could feel myself dipping down. And I thought, I just got to get home. I don't have that much farther to go. And I was out of food. I didn't have sugar tablets. I didn't have nothing in my car. And that's like a rarity. But, you know, I didn't expect anything to happen in the next 20 minutes. And um, so I got literally, I was maybe like, a block from our house. And we lived the road in the back of our house, the backyard. Um, It was all fields behind there. But it the I had to make like a left turn on this road before I got to my street, which was, you know, the main the main back road. So I'm just going to give it a name because it was 95th Street. That was the main back road. And I was on the street over from our street on Book Road, and I had to make a left-hand turn, and I was at a stop sign, and I was all confused, and I could not figure out where I was. Hmm. And this man at the stop sign, I turned, and um, I was driving, and this man was just laying on his horn, and um, he he, so I was like afraid, you know, cause I did not Now I'm like, almost I'm nearing my house, but I did not know I was nearing my house. I see. That's how my brain was not functioning because I had such a low blood sugar. Right, right. And, um, he goes, you're drunk. I'm calling the police. And I was like, I go, buddy, I am not drunk. I mean, I knew to say that much. Right. (laughs) And I just kept driving because I was scared and I wanted to get away from him. So I kept driving and I went past my house, the backyard of my house. I drove right past it because I did not really know where I was. Mm -hmm. 
and I just kept driving and I thought, okay, now I kind of know where I am. And I just kept driving and I drove into you. I don't know if you remember, but we had handy Andy's back then. Hardware stores. They're big that. like uh, Menards or a Home Depot now or Lori, whatever. Lori, I had they were to, handy Andy. So I, had, I drove into the parking lot there and the police, the police were there. Oh, waiting for you. Waiting. Yeah. yeah. I had to followed. look up. I had to look up White Hen. I didn't know what that was. I think these are more oh. local things. So that's the convenience store, right? Yeah. It's okay. like a 7-Eleven, right, right. you know. Yeah. And um, so I pull into the parking lot and there's this elderly couple coming out. And I rolled my window down and I said, you know what, please, can you go get me some sugar? I'm a type 1 diabetic. I'm having a really low blood sugar and I have to get some sugar in my body. Mm-hmm. And they were so nice. They turned around and went in and I guess Handy Andy must have had a candy bar. And so they went and got me a candy bar and brought it out. And the police came up to me because they're thinking I'm drunk because this guy said I was drunk. Right. And they came up to me and I said, you know what? I'm having a low blood sugar. I said, I, I was confused. I could not, I did not know where I was. And so I sat there and ate this chocolate bar, which is going to send my blood sugar high. And I didn't have a blood sugar testing machine, but I knew that's what it was going to do. And um, I just sat there and my husband now, we didn't have cell phones either. My husband is wondering like, where is she? Like what happened to her? She was supposed to leave after me and she's not home. And um, so I sat there until my blood sugar, I felt like normal. The police said, we're going to sit here with you until you get where you feel like you're normal. Mm -hmm. And those elderly people wouldn't even let me pay them for the chocolate bar. They were so nice. That's amazing. And um, so anyway, the police followed me home and till I got into my driveway and I was able to walk into the house. And that was, that's what having, not having a, you know, Dexcom or a contour next meter or, uh, you know, one touch ultra meter or whatever meter you want to call it. Um, that's what not having that stuff did. And I mean, it's, it happened to me more than once. It happened to me at night when I was driving home from work and it was winter because we lived in the Midwest at that time. And, um, it was winter and, I was all confused in my neighborhood, just driving around and I didn't have a cell phone right. and I'm like, Oh my God, where am I? Did these, I got to get home. Did these episodes come on quickly or did yes. they, they yes. out of nowhere? Okay. Yep. They would come on very quickly out of nowhere. Hmm. And so, um, and another time my husband traveled and my son and I were home alone and he was in grade school. He was little, but my husband always taught him if something happens with your mom at night, you call 911. Mm-hmm. And um, so my son, you know, he was little, so he was sleeping in bed with me. Right. And um, I, I woke up and I could feel my blood sugar going and I didn't have anything by my bed, which is unusual because, but I wasn't, I I was not smart enough then about it all. You know, I just, I'm trying to figure it out really kind of on my own. And, um, so he was in bed with me and I told him, I said, go get your, go get me a juice downstairs, orange juice or, and Steve, my husband, he always kept 
Coca-Cola because, you know, that brings your sugar up really quick. Mm-hmm. And um, so my son went, went down and brought me up uh, Coca-Cola, but he called 911 when he went downstairs ah. in the kitchen. He called 911. And so the paramedics came and he went and answered the door and he's in his pajamas. He's so cute. <laughs> he was this little kid, you know, right. and they came in. And by then I was getting back to normal gotcha. because the Coca-Cola had taken effect. Right. But um, I would have episodes like at two, three in the morning. This was before I was on an insulin pump. Two, right. three in the morning, I would do the same thing. I'd take my NPH at night. I'd have a bowl of Cheerios. And I would sit up and do my paperwork for the salon, go to bed like around midnight. And I would think I would be fine because I took my NPH usually around 9.30 or 10 o'clock and eat my bowl of cereal. And because um, I worked evenings, so I didn't get home from work a lot of times till 9.30. Right. And so then by the time I got situated at my house and did my insulin and ate my bowl of cereal and did my paperwork, you know, it'd be midnight. I'd go to bed and my husband would be like, I would, he would have my head and he would be trying to get me to drink a juice. Mm-hmm. And when you're that, cause he, I would do things in my sleep, I guess, where he knew and I, and I woke him up. And um, so, and that would happen probably a couple times a year. Um, and so that's why he taught our son that that's what he had to do. Cause he traveled. And so it was my son and I at home alone, you were, know, were you ever, um, were you ever able to make adjustments to the insulin to stop it from happening? Or how did it, how did you address the, it just with the food and hoping? Yeah, just the food and hoping because my doctors, you know, I would tell them and they, they, they didn't tell me to lower the dose, you know, and looking back, like I should have lo- lowered the dose myself, right. you know, but I was just a good student. I did what everybody told me and I just bite it by the rules and thought, well, this is the way life is how, with diabetes yeah. and injections. How, um, tell me how old you were in 1980. 22. 22. Wow. You're 62 now. Yeah. 64. 64. I've had it for 20, 42 years. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, it's the, it's the theme, right? Nobody feels confident making adjustments on their own. They just take for granted that this is what it is. And then, you know, they have some burden they have to live with now and, and, and that's it. And if a doctor doesn't help them with it, they never change it. How, what was the next most meaningful shift You're going to say getting an insulin pump, probably. When did that happen? Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Would you like a diabetes supplier that knows what they're doing, that offers white glove treatment, has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, 
and accepts Medicare nationwide, as well as over 800 private insurers? Of course you do. This is exactly what you want. What if you knew about a place that didn't just have those things, but was also the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys? Has served over 1 million diabetes customers since 1996, is the number one distributor for Freestyle Librite nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the fastest growing distributor of Tandem nationwide? Well, goodness me, this all sounds very good, doesn't it? U.S. Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs, including Freestyle Libre 2 and Dexcom G6. Now you're wondering, will they take my insurance? It's easy to find out. USmed.com forward slash juice box, or you can call 888-721-1514. Find out if U.S. Med is right for you. U.S. Med wants you to have better service and better care than you're accustomed to getting right now. And they always provide 90 days worth of supplies and fast free shipping. USmed.com forward slash juice box. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Givo Kypopen, US Med, and all of the sponsors of the Juicebox Podcast. And while I have you here, don't forget to go take that survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Let's get back to the show. Well, just not even getting an insulin pump, but getting a glucose um, monitor where you could test your blood sugars. Okay. That was a game changer because then I I checked my blood sugars like, you know, every while I was working. So I would always check my blood sugars like in the morning when I got up and then I would eat breakfast. And if I wasn't going into work until a little bit later that day, then I would check it again, you know, before I left for work, because then it was like lunchtime, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. So then I was going to eat lunch. So I would have to know what it is, but that, and then I started, then I started altering my insulin myself Good. when I could test my blood sugars. Did that help? It helped. Yep. It helped. And, um, my doctor told me, he goes, you know what, you are in such great control, but when they're working on an insulin pump and when it comes out, you need to get it. And he was talking to me about an insulin pump probably for two years before they even came out with it. He goes, this is what's happening. And this is what you need to do when they come out with it. That's crazy. And I was like, really? And he goes, yes. I go, well, I think I do a pretty good job this way. He goes, nope, you'll do a better job this way. How old do you think you were when you got the pump? I was, it was back, my son was in college, so I think he graduated in 2003, so I would probably guess, I think it was around 2005, Hmm. maybe. Yes, you, you, 25 years without it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. At what point did you switch over to a faster acting insulin? Do you remember, like, I mean, like Humalog did well, you go to next? Or? Humalog came along, I think that came along when I went on the insulin pump. Really? Okay. Uh-huh. So I think did... that's when I went on Humalog, if I recall if you remember, correctly. You're saying you did regular and NPH for 25 years? I did regular and NPH for, like, a long, long, long time. time. Okay. Maybe he changed me um, before that, because I was on Humalog, then I... I had to go on Novolog and now I'm back on Humalog again um, in my insulin pump. 
but I'm, you know, researching these other insulins now too, because I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to that. Uh, I have... I'm back in the city with the PA that told me about you. Oh, so okay. I'm really happy because I'm going to have a conversation. With her. Well, listen, I'm, I just did a little Googling. Eli Lilly began producing, uh, began production of the insulin product Humalog at its new bulk manufacturing facility in Carolina, Puerto Rico in mid 2005. Your memory's pretty good on that. So, oh, yeah, it yeah. didn't exist prior to that. Yeah. So then I was on regular until the insulin pump. Boy, that's so, um, yeah. And, the, and then the insulin pump, you know, that was another big learning curve for me because you still had to test your blood sugar. But then, and I was on Medtronic's insulin pump. Um, and so... I was, I mean, I got that thing working like a smooth operating machine and I got rid of my lows in the middle of the night. Never happened. Wow. They were, they were gone. And my husband, you know, um, he was so relieved because he didn't have to worry about me when he wasn't home. Sure. You know, he always worried about me driving. How did it affect your son? Did he, is he, uh, uh, kind of like a caregiver person now? Is he is he paranoid? How, how did it affect him growing up? Or do you think it did? No, I, I don't think he's paranoid because he knows how disciplined I am, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would always just tell him, I said, you know what? It, this is the way this disease is. And when you do injections, you can't control what the insulin is going to do in your body all the time. You just can't control it. Yeah. And um so I said, that's why mom has to, you know, I always have to travel with food and we would, I mean, when we, him and I, I'm a big rollerblader. I've rollerbladed for over 40 years. Um, so, I mean, I'm a hockey person. So like I was a hockey cheerleader. So I've always been that person on two things on your feet that move and work athletically. And, um, so my son, when he was two, I took him to the ice rink because I'm like, you're going to play hockey. And um, <laughs> so once he got, you know, decent on ice skates, then I'm like, OK, we're going to rollerblades now, buddy. So we went to rollerblades and we would rollerblade together. And I would always have to have a backpack because I didn't have a fanny pack then. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know about a fanny pack then, but I always had to carry a juice box because I would roll. We'd rollerblade long and hard and you know, at this point I wasn't, um, on an insulin pump. I was still on injections, you know? So it, it was like, you couldn't suspend or lower or temp basal or whatever. You couldn't do any of that. Right. And so I always had to carry a juice box or, you know, sugar with me all the time, um, because of that exercise level. So he, he was always aware, you know what I mean? So, um, because I would have to pack that backpack and he was never really afraid, but he could tell, he always knew when I was dipping down, Have you he spoken, could always tell. Have you spoken to him as an adult about growing up like that? No, I never really, I never really have spoken to him about that. He um, seems okay. I mean, my husband tells stories, you know, cause to all of his guy friends, you know, when we get together, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, 
they were like, yeah, we heard the stories about you driving the car and they thought you were drunk. And, you know, (laughs) so my husband has told his friends about what he's gone through with those kinds of stories, you know, um, because it was always a worry for him. But it. Did you have any issues growing up that way, like through your 20s, 30s? Like, did it have any impacts on you? socially or psychologically or anything like that you feel pretty Uh -uh. good right i just i just took the bull by the horn and did it and never looked back i never worried about it i never i just i'm a disciplined personality and so when i know i got to do something i do it i don't you know i don't look at it like, oh, I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. Even though I was flying by the seat of my pants, I didn't know I was flying by the seat of my pants. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. But it it wasn't always a perfect world, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't. I just And it st- still isn't always a perfect world, as mm-hmm. you know. No, no, of course. I, I don't even know what I'm getting at. I just, you seem, I mean, it's obvious you're from a different generation is how it feels to me. Like, you know, like you grew up in a time, you were born in the 50s, I imagine, right? Yep. Yeah. And 57. And yeah. You grew up in a, you grew up in a time where there was no real expectation for like constant happiness or contentment or something like that. Like you were just, you were living and staying alive and doing the things you were supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I was, um, I, well, my father passed away, um, of a massive heart attack when I was 11. Oh my gosh. He was 46 years old. And um I saw my mom. She was just devastated. We had just moved to a new house on the lake and lived in the lake and you know the Midwest and my dad that's always what he wanted. We moved there in October and he passed away the night before Christmas. Um that year. And um after that I always I always knew that I had to be able to just take care of myself because I saw my mom have to just, I mean, she did, she wasn't working. My dad worked because that's what happened back then. Your dad worked and you supported the family. You had one car, you lived in a simple little house and you lived life and you went to church every Sunday and you know, that's what you did. So after that experience, I mean, that was, uh, that was a game changer for me. Um, I was in sixth grade and, after that, you know what? I was always a go. I was always independent. My mom said, she goes, you're stubborn and independent Mm -hmm. always. But I was like a go-getter and I always did what I was supposed to do because I was like, I am not going to tip over of a massive heart attack. I'm going to be athletic. I'm going to eat good. I'm going to do all this, you know? Um, So I think that, you know, being raised with my mom in that situation, I got a job as soon as I could work because, you know, we didn't have money because Mm -hmm. we lost my dad. My mom never worked. And then she went to work like in a dime store in the town, you know, because she didn't have education other than high school. And um, so when you grow up in those kind of times, it shapes what you become in the future. Right. 100%. Yeah. I, I can't imagine not. Um, wow. That's a, that's a probably a pretty common story for then. Did your dad smoke? 
He was a smoker. Everybody was a smoker. That's why. Yeah. Every yeah, yeah. my mom smoked. My dad smoked. My aunt smoked. My uncle smoked. Everybody smoked back right, then. Right. I mean, and that was just the way. Have you identified any type one or other autoimmune issues in your family line? No. Nobody. That's what's bizarre. My mom was hypoglycemic for a number of years, and then it just all of a sudden went away. But she followed her diet. And she followed it. her diet yeah. that she was supposed to follow, being, you know. Jeez. Um, it, it, and so that's the only link that we can find. There's there's nobody. Nobody else. Nobody that anybody knows about, I guess. Also, But my cousin, his daughter, she was 22 and in college, and she found out she's a twin, and she became type 1 diabetic. How long ago was that? Oh, boy. She's in her... She's got to be in her early thirties okay. now, probably. Interesting. So, but they, but my cousin called me and he goes, "Oh my God, Emily is just diagnosed. We, she came home for Christmas break and she was not feeling good. And we took her to the doctor and they checked her and she's type one. Hmm. Now Claire, her twin, nothing, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean that's not i mean it's not surprising i guess i just i'm i don't know i got all wrapped up in your in your life and growing up in that time that's really just a a simple a simpler way to live you know it's a i mean literally that's the way everybody should be living nowadays yeah. i mean i grew up i worked at the anw i water skied every day we were at the beach all the time and you know, my friends, like they would have a lake house, you know, up in the woods somewhere. And we'd get in a car when we were 16 and we could drive and we'd go up to that lake house and hang out there and go to the outhouse. I mean, they didn't even have a running bath toilet. We go to the outhouse and, you know, right. and so it was, I mean, it, it big bonfires in the fields in high schools, you know, when you're in high school with all your friends and, you know, it, you were outdoors. We snowmobiled. We'd snowmobile to the hockey rink and then cheer for the game that was going to be there, you know, beyond that night because we were cheerleaders, me and my friends. And um, it's it's just, you know, it's just different. I didn't know there were cheerleaders on skates. You've taught me that. Um, I do have a question. <laughs> I, if this seems inappropriate to you, you don't answer me. Just tell me to move on. OK, but 16 years old, bonfire, kids. What was the level of hanky panky? Were you kissing, drinking, smoking? What What did you do in that time? Well, there was always a keg. Okay. There was always a keg in the field, so we called them keggers. Oh. And um, so you know, but you'd have all the athletes there. You know, I mean, where I was a cheerleader, you're not supposed to do that, or you can get kicked off the team. But everybody did it. <laughs> so we always, you know, we go out and drive four miles out in the country because my friends, their parents had farms and fields and we'd get a kegger going, okay, everybody, after the game, we're going to the kegger, you know? <laughs> and there's no, like your parents didn't know where you were. They didn't. No, yeah. I mean, they knew that, oh, I'm going over to so-and-so's and they they just, okay, you know, <laughs> okay. And um, your father and I are going to smoke cigarettes. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. This one, um, this is a funny story, but my girlfriend, they had a um, lake house up in the woods. That's when I was telling you about with the outhouse and, yeah. um, and it was the waters just, I mean, all the water where I lived was pristine and crystal clear. And um, we would go up there and hang out, but 
our other high school friend, his parents had a resort that wasn't far from there. And so there were two guys in high school brothers that their parents owned this resort. And every um, spring, they would have a weekend long kegger at the resort. And so we would go up and stay at my girlfriend's cabin. And then we'd drive over to the kegger because it was like started people would start arriving Friday night and they go home on Sunday <laughs> and everybody would just take a bath and brush their teeth in the lake because it was clean and nobody cared. And, you know, you'd go to the bathroom in the woods and nobody cared. And it was, just, <laughs> Sounds fun. it was like caveman style <laughs> of partying fun. But, you know, those are all just great memories that we, you know, there, it, it was just a great time and place to, yeah grow up and live and experience life. And I'm a water person. We've, my husband and I have lived on the water while well, we got, after I opened my salon, I did very well. And, um, we bought a lake house. And, um, so we traveled to the lake house every weekend, um, because I had my own business, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And so we had that for 15 years. And then we sold our house that was in town and we moved up north and bought a house on the water where we lived full time. And then we got transferred three, you know, we got transferred all these times. So it's just, you know, yeah, hey, it's, you, it's just kind of a weird how life changes. Do you need to look? At so anyway, sugar? now I'm by the ocean, but so it's still water. Well, so do you need to, <laughs> do you need to look at your blood sugar? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. It's, you know, your Dexcom goes off at 80. So it's, oh, yours is an 80. Know. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and now you're on one of the shores. You're on a, you're on a, yeah, you're, we're on a shore. Right yeah. Nice. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Went from imagine. the lake to the shore, to the desert, to the shore. <laughs> oh my gosh. You've been, you've been all over the place too. Yeah. Wow. You held on to your Midwestern accent. So you're good. Oh, I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, the technology has, uh, the insulin pump changed my life in a huge, huge way. And um, then two years ago is when I found out about Dexcom and that has changed my life in a big way. And then I found you. Yeah. Um, so, and I just, it just confirmed with me that, you know what, I've been pretty, doing pretty damn good raising myself kind of in the dark on my own with my diabetes because I've been bold with insulin, my diabetic life. Yeah, that's and, um, and I didn't, you know, I would just do it. I just do it. And, you know, I, no, and, I, I think it's amazing that you were able to, to do that. I mean, like you said, just, and, and looking back, just, just getting the meter and just being able to, to get enough data to start making reasonable decisions about yep. things. It's yep. and now, now look at it. Like, right. Mm -hmm. You got, oops, sorry. I'm saying, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, now you've got this. How did you, so the Dexcom was given, was told to you by a, a doctor's office. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because I'm in, you know, I'm in the city where they make it. So, okay. um, so the, the doctors here are all about it because mm -hmm. it's local. Right. Um, so anyway, they, the doctor mentioned it to me and then I went in with the PA so she could train me on it. And, um, so when I went in with the PA, she trained and they got me, they told me I needed to go on a tandem pump. And I go, why? 
and they go, because they will communicate with each other. And you like to have such tight control that I think this pump can give you tighter control. Mm. And so I switched, I went on the Dexcom first and then I went on the tandem pump. And um, so with doing that, um, it, it literally like learning tandem was a whole nother way of life on that insulin pump compared to Medtronic. And I actually liked Medtronic better. You did like the Medtronic better? I did like it better. Yeah. So I went off of the tandem and went back to the Medtronic because well, I could not get my sugars to button down on the tandem yeah, correctly. You, you should do it. And so, best. so my doctor, she said, okay, so now I'm in a new state, right? I was leaving this state and she said, I think you should give tandem another try down the road. And so I went to the other state and I ended up through Facebook group because I talked about the tandem and the issues I was having with it mm -hmm. and that I was just going to go back on a Medtronic. I didn't know what to do in a diabetic group. And um, there was a tandem representative somehow found out and he called me and um, I explained to him what I was having. I had a, I will say, I'm, I don't try to criticize people, but the, I've been a trainer, you know, for years because I had a staff and worked for a color company and da, da, da. Mm -hmm. But um, she came to educate me on the tandem pump and she said, well, we're going to learn and do this together. And I was like, we're going to learn and do this together. A little worried she didn't understand it already? <laughs> well, she didn't. It was obvious. And so when I went on it, I was struggling and struggling and struggling. And I just said, forget it. I'm going awesome. back until I can get somebody that knows how to train you on this machine. And I called Tandem on a regular basis trying to make it happen. So when I got to the other state, I decided that I was going to try it again. Mm -hmm. And um, so I gave it a try and I've been on it ever since. And I had a really, really the guy that I talked to, he hooked me up with one of the top trainers and we did it all over the phone. Good. Yeah. You, so are you using control IQ now? I do use control IQ. The one thing that I, um, that is, you know, because I don't eat white food. I, I just, I don't care about it. It like doesn't matter to me. Flour you mean, I, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. eat. I haven't had a piece of pizza in I don't even know how many years. And um, so it, it's like I just don't eat that stuff. But I used to. And I used to do it on the Medtronic, you know, with the, you could do the um, temp basil mm -hmm. settings. And I would do it for like hours, you know, because pizza breaks down in hours. Right. right, right. So you got to change your got to change your insulin ratio, you know, to accommodate it. And um on this one, you got to turn the control IQ off to make that happen. So, you know, even with proteins sometimes, so it's got the two hour window where you can do the extended bolus. Then I, you know, I go back in maybe sometimes like after an hour and a half and I set another one Okay. to extend out again. Yeah. So that's kind of the, I think that 
there's, if they had a diabetic talking to them when they design an insulin pump, I think they would get a lot more information <laughs> how to design it to make it work the way diabetics want it to work. Well, well, what do you, what do you wish the control IQ would do that it doesn't do? Well, I wish that you could just automatically have an extended, you could have that extended time where you wouldn't have to turn it off. Yeah. You could just go in and do, what if you needed four hours or six hours or eight hours? I mean, what if you get sick? You know, so you can't explain to it that the food you've just eaten has a longer impact than the algorithms ready for. You can't. Yeah. Tell, you can't tell it this is listen, this is pizza. We're going to be doing yeah. this for the next right. four or five hours. Right. right. I got you. Right. Okay. You got to turn the control IQ off and go back to regular pumping, go back to just doing like what my Medtronic pump did, mm -hmm. you know, okay. and um, my doctor told me, she goes, well, then do that. If that's what you need to do, then just do that. Yeah. But I make it all work you know, how it works now. And I just don't want to be pushing all these buttons all the time and fussing around with it all the time. And you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. You would like it to work without you having to be involved so much. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, I, I understand. Um, yeah. I have a question that I can uniquely ask you because of your age. Do you have concerns about as you age, the management of diabetes? Do you ever think about that? Yes. What, what, yeah. what's, what's the thing that sticks in your heads most? Well, I mean, you know, as I age and the management, you know, I've had it for 42 years and it really doesn't matter how, I mean, it does matter. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter because it totally does matter. But if you're so diligent about your care for all these years, you know, when you hit have, let's say I make it another 20 years, that puts me at 84, mm -hmm. you know, what? It, what are the insides of my body going to be like? You know, what are my eyes going to be like? What are my kidneys going to be like? You know, I, I'm not going to be running a marathon at 84, I doubt, you know, or rollerblading like, you know, around the country. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I just, you know, that's what always concerns me because I don't ever I hope I go like my father before that, before I ever have any side effect from diabetes, <laughs> <laughs> I would rather just go ding and tip me over and don't let me have any side effects, you I know? Yeah. So the side effects uh, there, I mean, I did hair for a living. Trust me. You talk to, you get clients that are diabetic and I was like a nutritionist for all my clients. They loved coming to me because I always talked about food and how I cook and mm. recipes and what I do. And they're like, Oh my God, I've never met anybody that takes such good care of themselves. And it shows, and you are, you do so great. And I go, well, I love, I'm diligent, you know, and I love, food and I love good food. I love healthy food. I love fresh food. I don't like processed food. Right. So, so that's just the way I've operated forever. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always think about like dexterity and cognitive stuff. Like what happens when you oh, slow down yeah. a little bit or you can't use your fingers as finely, those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the whole, you know, cause dementia is way more prevalent in diabetics, you know? So I'm always like, Ooh, 
God, <laughs> don't put me there. I don't want that. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, My husband always goes, oh, it's Lori in the kitchen because there's always something that happens when I'm in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> you know, it's just stupid stuff. And he always makes jokes, you know, about me because um, I'm blonde and he's like, Lori, the blonde, she's in the kitchen again, you know. <laughs> I just, I yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I know it's a long way off and I'll be a long way dead, but I don't like thinking of Arden you know, as an older person, no, not yeah. sure about how much insulin to give herself or to make a mistake because she thinks she did yep. it already or didn't do it already. Yeah. You know, that, that bothers me. So. Yeah. But you know, by the time Arden is older, it's going to be a way different playing field for diabetics. Yeah. I hope so. That, it's going to be, oh my God. I mean, when you look at 42 years and you look at just since 2005, when I got on the insulin pump. Mm-hmm. And you look at from 2005 to now. Yeah. I mean, that is 16 years. And look at what's been done. Yeah, it's amazing. The leap is really amazing. It's, um, I mean, so you put Arden, what is she, 15 or 16? She's 17 now. Oh, 17. Yeah. So you put 15 years on that, you know, she's going to be what, 32? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And so you look at it at 32 how it could be different for her. I hope so. I hope I get to see it. I really do want to see what happens next. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just a, I spoke to diabetics. Um, my doctors in the state where we live forever on the water. Um, she was just like, you know what? I, I want you to talk to the diabetic support groups because you are, you're, I would bring her like my loaves of bread that I would make, you know, with almond flour and, mm -hmm. you know, I'd make a cinnamon bread and, and a white bread and an Italian bread. And I would bring them to my doctor and I go, you should try these because they're really, really good. And they're really healthy for you. And she's like, Oh my God, you make the best food. And um, so I would go speak at these diabetic groups and I would bring like my food like my bread so that because it was in the morning and they could have like coffee and bread in the morning and it's all blood sugar controlled bread you know so um they just loved me they loved me speaking to them about how I take care of myself because I could only talk from my standpoint right and they were like god I wish I could just be more like you and I go well why can't you yeah it's not that I hard. go you don't need to wish about it you just need to do it yeah I try to and, tell people that all the time. Like, I'm not doing anything particularly special. I don't have any great, you know, abilities that you don't have. I'm just making some pretty specific decisions at the right time, you know? So, I mean, that's all it's a balancing act. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. You're balancing every minute of the day. It, it, I, I don't care what it is, you know, you, God, when I would stand behind the chair and work and I would be like, okay, I got to have a juice box. I'd be like, excuse me. I'd go in the back room. I'd grab a juice box. I'd come out. I would drink it down in front of my client. They go, you okay? I go, you should know me by now. I'm fine. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it was just always balancing, you know, it was always balancing, but I taught, you know, for a hair color company also for 20 years. And um, I would, I traveled all over. I lived in a really big city in the Midwest mm -hmm. and big city. And so, I mean, you could travel two hours and still be in a suburb of the city. So um, I traveled all over and then I had to fly and travel the United States. So, you know, until I was on an insulin pump, you know, 
you, if I traveled around the United States and I would, you know, fly in the night before, teach the class the next day and fly out that night. So it was like an overnight, but you would, I always would go through the airport and I would bring my juice boxes with me and I would be like, you know, you got to let me through with this. Cause they were always like, no, oh, you can't take that or whatever. And yeah. I was like, no, I'm a diabetic. Do you? Okay. So I'm going to get on the plane. And if I have a low blood sugar, then you guys are going to have to take care of me yeah. instead of me taking care of myself. Right. So they would always let me through um, with it all, but I had to travel with all that gear, you know, mm-hmm. and manage it all. And then you're teaching a class. And when you're teaching a class, if I felt myself dipping down and this was before insulin pump time, right? So you feel yourself dipping down. I always had a juice box and all my, you know, color containers that I'd have to bring into the salons and to train their staff. And, you know, so I would always just pull it out and I would say, you know, let's take a break for a couple minutes, pull it out, drink it down and everybody come back, reconvene and away we, way I'd go again, you know? Yeah, so simple. It's, it's just, you just have to balance it and navigate it however you have to navigate it because no diabetic is like, I mean, right. no two are alike. I mean, it's different bodies, different mm-hmm. insights. So it's just a way of how you manage and get along and navigate. And But um, I, I drove from one state back here to the state that I'm in when we got transferred a year ago. We got transferred you know, every year. So um, in June of 2020, I was in a different state than I am now, but I would drive back to this state that I'm in because our son lives like two hours from here. And so I would stop and stay at my friends here, but it's a 10 hour drive. So I would get in the car and I would listen to you for the whole 10 hours. And I was like, that is like the best Thing to the time just flies. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I, I, I've been dying to ask you about that. How do you, 60 years old, like, I know somebody, you know, tells you about the podcast, but I mean, had you ever used your podcast player before that? Oh, yeah. I listened to podcasts before you that, do. but okay. I never, I didn't even think about searching for a diabetic podcast. Right. I mean, True. it just never came to, I mean, I knew about Facebook groups, but I didn't know about podcasts, Right, that there was stuff out there for podcasts, you know? So, um, yeah. So once I found that, I would, I've just been, you know, like, a, I would, I play it in the kitchen when I'm cooking. I listen to you. <laughs> <I just laughs> is, is it helping? Is it like, I mean, cause you're doing well, well, it just, what it, what you've done a lot for me is it's confirmed confirmed a lot of things that I do. Okay. It's been confirmation of a lot of things that I do and, um, and just getting better at dialing it in even more, Mm -hmm. you know? So even though you're, even though you're doing those things, do you have a, a, did you have a level of uneasiness that you were breaking a rule or something like that? Or no, no, uh -uh. just, no, just good confirmation. No, I've never been, I've never had an uneasiness about breaking rules. If it's going to help me. Yeah. Never. That's a good, that's Uh -uh. a good way. I break the rules all the time. If my husband goes, God, you, he was always, even with the injections, he's like, you know, you got to watch it. Cause we'd have my whole family up at our lake house, 25 of us and the way it works. So you got to feed 25 people. Right. And so a couple was assigned kitchen duty every day. 
So my cousins, my aunts and uncles, my mom, you know, my sister, my brother were, I mean, my mom had 11 siblings. So we all grew up going to the lake together, all my cousins and all the, her siblings and spouses, and we'd all have cottages. And so I wanted to do that when I got married, I wanted a lake house so I could continue that whole, you know, tradition. Mm -hmm. And, um, so anyway, we would have my cousins and everybody up there. And so everybody would cook and we had a menu. We did a menu every year, a menu. And so it wasn't always like the food that I could really eat because it's just, it's carbohydrates. Let's face it. Right. Mm -hmm. Carbohydrates. Um, but I would just eat my cereal in the morning because they always had cereal because the kids, all the little kids that we had, you know, love cereal and have my cereal. And at lunchtime, you know, because back then it's like I really didn't I didn't know because I was just doing this injection, that injection. But when I was at the lake and I got my blood sugar machine and I could check my blood sugars, then it was way better because then I could eat the stuff. Then I was eating carbohydrates. Okay. I was still skinny, yeah, but I was eating carbohydrates. And but you know, I was water skiing. I was swimming. We were tubing. I was always cleaning in my house because you got twenty five people there. But we would assign cleaning duties. You'll laugh. So we had food duties. So you were in the kitchen one day that week, and that mm -hmm. was it. You're done cooking. And then, um. All the guys always got, I, they go golfing in the morning. They get ice for all the coolers. They'd come back and take care of all, everybody had their own cooler. So you came back to carry your own cooler. We had a treat table. So there was a treat table that was like a big coffee table that we had sitting with all the treats because everybody would bake and bring treats. And then we'd bake during the week and all the little kids, you should have watched them. They were so funny. They'd go over to the treat table and they'd try and sneak a treat without asking the parent. Mm. And the grandmas would catch them and they'd be like, you know, Darren, did you, did you ask your mom? You got to go ask your mom. And he'd be like, oh, okay, you know, little kids. So we had all that kind of food up there and I would eat it, but I would, I did pretty darn good. But there were times at night cause we'd stay up until late, all of us cousins and we'd, you know, have a few beverages and we'd go to bed and get up the next morning. But there were a few times where in the middle of the night I went low, um, probably because I ate, you know, my regular had worn off by then, mm -hmm. you know, from dinner, but I don't know, probably I, my husband goes, it always happens when we have this vacation because your schedule is different. You're up late. You're, you sleep in a little bit later in the morning, All that activity you too. eat different, yeah. you take extra insulin because you're eating different and you do this. And so he always, he had a couple of times, um, well, a couple of times throughout, we did it for 15 years. So before we sold it, but we had a couple of times where in the middle of the night he was, or like in the morning when I would sleep in, even he would come up and check on me and he found me where I had dipped down even in the morning. I see. Um, so he just come up there and give me juice. And, you know, then my mom comes up and my sister comes up and they all there, you wake up and they're all staring at you <laughs> and you're like, geez, what did you have to call the troops in for God's sake? <laughs> give me the juice and leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, that's, that's the way life was, you know, yeah. before anything 
came around like I'm wearing now. That's excellent. Hey, did we talk about everything that you were hoping to talk about or did I leave something out? Um, the one thing that I will say is that, um, that I, I'm hoping you get your person on your podcast and that I know when it's going to happen is that, um, three years ago, yeah, three years ago, before we got transferred the first time, um, I was seeing like a naturopathic doctor and she, I did blood, you know, I do my diabetic blood work and, um, she goes, Lori, your thyroid's like low. Mm -hmm. She goes, I think you should be on thyroid medicine. And I go, what? She goes, do you feel okay? And I go, you know what? I've always felt fine. Mm -hmm. I've always had tons of energy. And, um, she goes, well, I'm going to call your primary care because I think you should be on thyroid medication. And I'm like, really? My endocrinologist always did blood work. And every year, you know, they check all that stuff. Yeah. And I never knew nothing. So I was like borderline low. Well, then I went on the thyroid medicine and then I went to my endo and talked to her about it. And she goes, you know what? If you feel fine, don't take it. So I didn't take it. I quit taking it. I go, you know what? I don't. Did you, was it okay. hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism? I, I don't even know what it was at the time, but it, I found out now that it's hypo. Hypo, okay. But I was, it, so for, I moved, and then when I went and saw the endo, and um, I went and saw a hormone doctor, because people told me, go see a hormone doctor, they know how to regulate the thyroid. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw him, and he started me on, um, can I say them? The, yeah, sure. The, okay, armor thyroid right. and like a high dose of it. He goes, your thyroid is really low. And I go, really? And um, so he's the one who started me back on the medicine again. Okay. And so then I talked to my endo about it and she goes, well, just, you know, keep going to see him and do it. So then when I moved again and got to the next endocrinologist, she's like, boy, you're on a lot. Mm-hmm. And I go, I know. I I don't understand it. And so every two months since I started seeing her last November, she's done blood work for my thyroid and my dose has changed every two months. And I I still, I don't even know. What's the number? What's your TSH at? Do you know? Um, I would have to dig out my test results. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, now I'm going to see uh DO here um because they do thyroid. And I'm gonna go bring my I'm gonna bring all my labs with from the previous state and these last labs that I had done. Yeah. And um because my doctor back there in the other state, I was supposed to do a video visit with her, but I had to cancel because we were flying out to back home and I couldn't do it. And I told the, the nurse, you know, that I needed her to look at it. And all she's got to do is just put a message in my chart. Right. And so she, they just called me like yesterday, I think it was, and said, the doctor said to keep your dose the same. Okay. And I'm like, okay. Well, I think Dr. Benito would say that you, she, she would treat people over a two TSH. And I think the goal is to get it as low as you possibly can with stability without causing hyper symptoms. So yeah, because I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I saw a primary care doctor here trying to get hoping to get this blood work stuff figured out. And he said, well, this is weird because your last 
blood work looks like you're on the edge of hyper and this is hypo. He goes, it's like you're sitting in between. Yeah. I mean, if you're hyper, then the medication's too much and you have to, oh. have you, cha- have you, um, felt any different taking it? Um, I, I have to say that I really don't feel any different, right? Even but ha- I have, I'll tell you what's happening that has not happened. You know, like I, I got, when I first started taking it, I was having such like hot flashes and I went through, you know, the change at mm. age 50 and it was a piece of cake. I never had an issue. And I feel like I'm hot. I'm living in a state where the climate is beautiful all the time and in a city and it, I, sh- I should not be sweating the previous state. I should have been sweating Yeah. and I don't sweat where I get dripping sweat, but I get like this heat wave in my body and then it goes away and it's not hot right now. Right. It could, well, your thyroid controls your body temperature. That's I know. What, how about your, and that's, um, is your hair growing better? How about your nails? Anything? Any? Yeah. Changes? I mean, my nails are kind of the same. I will say that, you know, I noticed um, like my eyebrows got different. Thicker? They're thinner. Thinner. Hmm. But now they're now they're kind of like they're back to normal and just a little thinner on the ends of them. I had thick eyebrows. Lori, can I tell so you I, something? I got my eyebrows yeah. threaded recently. I went with Arden. Don't laugh at me. I went with Arden. She gets her hers threaded. Uh-huh. And, and my family makes fun of my eyebrows all the time because they curl down on the outside. And they always tell uh-huh. me it looks like my eyebrows are frowning. So mm-hmm. I, I, I looked at the lady and I was like, can you fix these? And my daughter's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to try this. So it uh, it hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. I've had mine threaded before. And I, I said I would never do it again because she totally botched my eyebrows. And I was like, and I'm in the hair world. Yeah. And I was like, no, well, the never did, again. She did a nice I'm going to be in charge of my brows. <laughs> she did a nice job. So we went that I, I somehow I go with Arden for her threading and um. So the next time she went, I didn't think anything of it. And then she went back a, another time. And I was like, I looked at the woman. I was like, does this need a touch up? And she's like, yeah, sit down. I was like, okay. So. Well, it's easier as you do it, you know, because then you don't have the bulk of the brows. Oh, you get God. where it's just maintaining the brows. She's unrelenting. She pulls them out and it's like, it feels like it's like you're pulling out piano wires, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, we did waxing at my salon, you know, forever. And um, so <laughs> people would get their brows waxed. And I was like, oh God, that would hurt when you rip that hair out like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Get all admit, red. I think I'm going to keep doing it. So I'm not. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, threading but, is probably better than waxing. Yeah, maybe. I, well, I'm not getting my eyebrows waxed. I have to draw a line somewhere. So <laughs> anyway, well that you could do at home yourself. You just yeah. put the wax on, put the, put so, the strip on and you just press it down and yeah. you tear it off and you're done. I would, I would question myself if I was doing that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but you know, you started talking about your thyroid by saying something about the doctor, but you never asked me the question. It was a great story, but you didn't oh, ask me Oh, yeah, question. but I know you have talked about Arden having a thyroid issue and your wife having a thyroid issue, yeah. and, you're, and you finally got this doctor that has helped them. And I thought, I need, I need somebody that kind of know, 
because I've been bouncing around for like three years with this stupid thyroid thing. And it's like, do I even really need to do anything or do I not need to do well, I need to do anything? I think I don't I think you should. I don't think it's it's not a big deal. I mean, to get that hormone like level right. It the problem is finding a doctor who's really thoughtful and good at it. That's mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. trouble. I, and I I agree. Yeah, I got lucky finding Addie. Um, I took advice from a friend of mine who's been a uh, a guest on the podcast, Vicky, and she said you can't trust the endo to do this. You have to find somebody who really just is great at this. And I asked another. I asked a bunch of doctors about it, and I got a bunch of recommendations, and I found the one. And it, it and thank God because she's really been terrific. She's actually. Uh, just helped my son and my daughter with um, they're checking their guts for to make sure like the like their that the bacteria in their gut is balanced yep, well. is healthy yeah. yeah and they both need um, some help so we just got the results back last night we have an appointment next week with Addie and she's going to go through the protocol for the next couple of months to help them get balanced and uh, she thinks that Arden's acne and joint pain might go away after we do this. I think it will. Yeah. I, I'll I'll just tell you that um, I well the the thi- the person I'm gonna see about the thyroid they do the gut they it's a naturopathic like she's a do but mm-hmm. they got naturopathic doctors that work there so they do all this natural yeah you know stuff to try and help your gut get regular and all this um, I when we lived in this same state two years ago I my I was, I've been a rollerblader for years, you know, and my hip has kind of bothered me for 10 years. And I was like, I had this pain down the side of my leg and I went and joined a walking group and I was power walking and then I I was having a hard time. And I had this, my gut hurt. I was like, my groin hurt. And I was like, what is going on? And so I quit the walking group and it all kind of, went away, but I changed. I never have been a big fan of gluten anyway, Mm. but I went on, I went and saw this, that hormone doctor that I saw, there was a nutritionist in there and she's a natural like nutritionist person. And she told me, she goes, your gut, you got to get your gut healthy. She didn't do tests, but she said this, I told her the way I ate and she goes, you got to get some good bacteria in there she said you could get kimchi or something like that so I started making my own homemade kimchi Mm. because that's the way I am you know I'd rather make it myself I know what's in it and I can you know eat it and so I did that for months like months and my whole I like everything everything just kind of subsided and went away And then um, we were still living in the same state. And in April, now I had gone rollerblading again. (laughs) And um, in April, I got up and I could not walk. Okay. My leg, what I needed crutches. Oh. And I was like, oh, God, this is not good. Hmm. My hip was dying. And, um, we moved, that's April, and we moved in June, the beginning of June, and I was getting trigger point injections in my muscles 
And that was helping me and it helped me make the move. Mm-hmm. And then after we moved, I, we had stairs in this house. We were in a ranch in the other state and we had stairs in this house and I could, I got where I could hardly walk the stairs and I ended up having a torn, took them from April to December to find out I had a labral tear in my hip and, um, they fixed it. So anyway, um, this is, was interesting is that I thought I was going to come back to San Diego. I said where I'm at, um, to California, (laughs) um, to get it fixed because they told me in the other state that there weren't doctors there that did that. And I was like, what, how can you live in a city? It's a big city where you don't have a doctor that does labral tears. Mm. And, um, so anyway, I conversed with a doctor back where I'm living now. And um, that doctor said, well, you got to go to, you got to talk to this doctor because I just do hips. And I'm like, God, does anybody do like more than one thing anymore? <laughs> and um, so I talked to that gal and she told me, she said, we don't even do them, repair them on women your age because there's only a 50% success rate. Oh, okay. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, she said, I, you just got to go to a hip, hip guy and get a hip replacement. That's what we do. I won't even do it. She said. And, um, so then I went back to the other state and talked to the other doctor there. Um, and he did do labral tear repairs, but he told me the same thing. So I got kind of two of the same opinions. And he said, the labral tear, I just did two labral tear repairs eight months ago and they're both back here getting a hip replacement because it didn't work. So he said, I can do it on you, save your hip joint, but you got arthritis in your hip. And I go, it's 40 years of rollerblading probably. (laughs) And um, so I just did the full out hip replacement June 10th and we moved July 2nd. Wow. And um, I stayed back in that state because I couldn't leave with three weeks into the surgery right. and go to a house where I, I mean, we weren't even going to have our stuff. So I wasn't even going to have a bed. My husband slept on a blow up bed in the house that we got. And um, so anyway, now I'm in hip replacement recovery, but the doctor told me my first question was, will I be able to rollerblade again? And he said, absolutely not. Mm. And I go, what? He goes, nope, you can't do it. You need to sell them. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? That sucks. I was so, I, I, I was like picturing myself rollerblading the boardwalk, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That but, sucks. oh, well, yeah. that's life, you know? So I'll find another athletic activity. To do. Yeah. Well, Lori, I have had a really wonderful time talking to you. I have to go spend the rest of my day cooking. It's not my day at the beach house, <laughs> but um, my son's college uh, because of COVID, is having a terrible time staffing. And <gasps> because of that, there are long waits for food. And my wife and I are going to cook up a bunch of different things and take them to him so that he uh, can eat in his room a little better. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. So this is the rest of my day now. We're going to be down there. Like, it's going to look like we're preparing because we're going to have to bring enough for his roommates and everything else. So it's 
Yeah. We're going to be making some Yeah, you're going to be a cafeteria in your kitchen. That seems like. But anyway, if you can get that thyroid person on, that would be awesome because I would totally love to hear. Oh, well, she's been on. Was that the whole thing? Yeah. Hold on a second. Let me get you the episode number. (laughs) Is that all you wondered? Hold on a second. I like talking to you because you asked the question and then never asked it. Um, Hold on a second. I'll find it. She is episode 413, Thyroid Disease Explained. Okay. There you go. She's really good, too. You'll love it. Yeah, I'll listen to her. So I'm going next week to see my new new person now in the (laughs) fourth move. (laughs) Listen to her before you go to the appointment. Yeah, I will. Oh, I'll listen to her today. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this. Well, I appreciate what you do. I mean, you do a lot for everybody. And I I commend you for the care you give your daughter because your daughter is really, really lucky to have you. You know, that's very sweet. I I mean, she's really, really lucky. Most of us got to figure it out on our own, you know, and um, it's great to have a community. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad that what we're doing here at home is helping other people, too. Yep. Yeah. makes a difference, really you know, wonderful. a big, big difference. If I would add something like this when I was diagnosed, I would be like, geez, yeah. you know, way better. I, I really do see that um, my my mom is sick right now. And I, uh, I we had a particularly kind of rough day yesterday. And at the end of the day, I realized I hadn't been interacting much with the people on Facebook. And I went in there and I, I was kind of melancholy. I was like, you know, just like I said, tell me something good. And the hundreds of replies that came back where people just sharing good things in their life. I I thought, wow, look at this amazing community that, that this whole thing put uh-huh. together, you know, um, people were there. Uh, some of them didn't realize that I was upset. They were just like, here's something great that happened to me today. And they told me something about their kids or their life or got a new job or something. Uh-huh. It just never stopped. And um, I, you know, when you translate that over to talking about diabetes, it's amazing. Someone can go on there and ask a question about, you know, a pre-bolus or something like that. And then, right. you know, yeah, all those I mean, it's, it's, it's just awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something good that happened yesterday. It was my anniversary of 42 years to my husband. Oh, happy anniversary. Yeah. And you just, so. you just saved yourself because now, <laughs> now I can call this episode. Tell me something good because I was going to call it, um, handy, Andy. <laughs> yeah you just cut you just saved yourself at the very end (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's a great guy couldn't ask for anybody better for me so it's wonderful my my best to both of you that's really wonderful yep all right thanks a lot scott it's been great and i wish you and arden and your family and your son well at college and you know no it really means a lot to me Hope he always has a full belly. Oh, oh I hope so. <laughs> He's at least going they're, to this week. They're uh, eating machines at that age. Yeah, oh, no my kidding. God. It, you can tell how angry they it, you get like these angry texts with pictures of lines in the cafeteria. <laughs> He's like, I can't even get in here. And he's like, even if I got in, it would take 45 minutes to get to the food. I got to get to my next class. And he's getting irritated so we're gonna we're gonna help him out a little bit yeah Yeah. my son when he just a quick little note my son when he was in college he had a credit card for emergencies and i would always pay the bill right Mm -hmm. and i would be like what is this like three hundred dollars on here for food he played roller hockey um 
because he played hockey all his years growing up and yeah. he still plays hockey. Actually, he plays three nights a week in a men's league. But um, and I would be like, what? And he goes, Mom, do you have any idea how hungry I am? Like, <laughs> I'm hungry. And I go, but are you buying for the whole floor or the house or what? Because it's like $300. He goes, no. He goes, you know, we play hockey. We go out. We eat. And I go, yeah, you must be buying for everybody at the table. (laughs) (laughs) But they're hungry boys. He eats a lot of food. That's for sure. They eat lots and lots of food. And you got to supply for the friends. It's like, oh, my God. That's going to be it. I'm going to go get a couple of pounds of chicken breast and smoke them all. And we're going to make a bunch of rice and a bunch of other stuff and just take it through them. So, all right. Well, thank you. Okay. Hold on one second. Have fun in the kitchen. Thank you. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. And I'd also like to thank US Med. And remind you to go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check. It should not be difficult to get your diabetes supplies and it also shouldn't be a headache. Check out US Med. Hey, do me a favor. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or anywhere like that, hit subscribe or follow in the app that you're currently listening in. It'll take you just two seconds but it'll help the show immensely. Subscribe and follow in a podcast or audio app. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.